The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Dugout Nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Today we have Joshua LaFrac, mental performance expert, speaker, and coach. And he's their director of performance at Limitless Minds and the president at Lift Up Consulting. My favorite thing on his bio, World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs when he was a director of mental skills. So being a Cubs fan since the time of birth, we talked a bunch about the culture and how he helped lead the Chicago Cubs to winning the 2016 World Series. And Joshua, he's one of the most humble guys I know, and he always has a way of passing the buck for him not being a reason. But I understand after listening to him, the principles that he instilled in the Cubs organization that helped him get over the hump and win the World Series. And he's going to share some iconic stories of the Cubs and their World Series run and give you some very simple principles to help you become mentally fit. Joshua, welcome to the Dugout CEO. Thanks, Case. Great to be here, man. Yeah, so my 10-year-old self wants to say thank you. And then also, I guess, my 31-year-old self, because I grew up a Cubs fan, and oh, you know we were called lovable losers, and somehow you were part of turning this thing around. And I'm excited to get into that story. So one, thank you, because you feels like you saved generations, right, with some of the stuff you did with the Cubs. So we're going to talk about the Cubs here and some of the stuff you do with baseball players and owners, but um, like... Talk to me about this thing, Joshua. Mental skills. Is this something you were like, I remember writing in my eighth grade time capsule, I want to develop real estate growing up. Like, did you say, hey, I want to be a mental skills coach growing up? Or like, how did you come up with this? Yeah, you're bringing up your your, your eighth grade self. And, and I remember vividly, right, in third grade, Mrs. Relier's class in High Park Elementary, um, we had the assignment before lunch to write down your dream job, your what you wanted to do in your life. And it was the only time I ever got detention because I didn't do it because I had no clue. I was like completely lost. I was befuddled by the question. <laughs> I was just a happy-go-lucky eight-year-old. Um, and that, that detention lasted until I was about 30 years old because I still had no clue what the heck I wanted to do. Um, and so I, I got into to the field of mental skills um, a little bit later in life, right? I, I was literally 30 when I went back to to, to grad school uh, to, to pursue an education. And it was at that time exercise sport and sports sciences with an emphasis in sports psychology. But my my passion for sports never yielded no matter what. Like I was, I grew up playing basketball and baseball and all these sports in college. I rode crew. Um, I was always around sport and it was a you know, driving force in my life even after college. But I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I was waiting tables in New York City, but I was rock climbing. I was mountain biking. I was hiking. I was still, you know, anything, anything I could go play, I would go do it. So, you know, I think there's, there's the, the world of sports allows that inner child to live, right? And, 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 I mean, you play baseball. You play basketball. You play, right? And so that, that, that joy uh, was, you know, something that I always wanted to be around even more. Um, and so that's kind of what led me back to, to sports psych. 
Yeah, so let's start there. You're 30-something, right, sports psych. You jump back in and take me on the path of that to kind of the cool things that you've accomplished. Yeah, so so my, so my here I am. I'm working in three-star restaurants in, in New York City in Manhattan, which is really awesome, and, and I always laugh about. You never know. Like you, there. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna mess this all up, but there was. So I'm gonna jump around in timelines, okay? When I was working with the Cubs and we were in our our scouting department, came up with a phrase called, "You never know." YNK. You never know. And it was a, really a call to action for our area scouts to make sure they're always asking the questions to anyone around them, because you never know if this uncle is gonna be the person who gives you all the great information about the kid and what the kid struggles with or what what, what, what makes the kid really special. Right, so that you never know phrase kind of came up in the Cubs organization. And I think that I look back on my life a little bit and you never know the things that you're doing in your life, what they're preparing you for. Not to get too spiritual on this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty spiritual, not very religious, but the, the reality is that there's a plan, right? And so you never really know what that plan has out set out for you. My, my mother, my mother-in-law, my Safta, Safta Tova, she always says, you know, man plans, God laughs. And I love that, right? That's, that's the whole thing. And so you never know exactly what you're being prepared for as you go through your life. So me waiting tables in three star restaurants and waiting on people like Wayne Gretzky, Joe Montana, um, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, you know, every member of U2 in a different restaurant, that prepared me to understand that even if you're famous, you're a human being because you got to talk to them, you got to see them, you got to be around them, right? I served them, I waited tables, right? And I was, I was giving them food and stuff like that. But sometimes you get into conversations with these people. I had a, had a snowball fight with Matt Dillon one time in the streets of New York, right? And you just, you kind of like, you, you have these experiences. So that when I got into sports and you meet a Maria Sharapova, you're not overwhelmed. You're just like, oh, she's another person. She happens to do something really, really great. But she's actually just a human being. And human beings have these types of emotions. And this is what I deal with. And this is how I can help. Right? So I think, so you never know. So I waited tables, like I said, for like 10 years in Manhattan. And then uh, recognized I wanted to get into another field. And that field was sports psychology. There's a whole story about a mountain bike ride that I've said on other podcasts. So I won't bore you with that. But basically, it was like I was having a moment where... I was thinking in a certain way and my results were a certain way. I changed my thought process and the results immediately changed. And I was like, ooh, I could study this. So um, I was not a great student at the University of Rhode Island. I was a rower and a partier. And as a result, my GPA showed that. So I had to go back to school, went to 20 credits at Brooklyn College uh, to get physical education and psychology credits, thus bumping my GPA up and, and being available to be actually to get into grad schools. Went to Ithaca College, did a year and a half there, uh, a year of classes, and then I went to IMG Academy to do my internship, uh, which was life-changing, completely life-changing. That's where I met Trevor Moad, Chad Bowling, uh, Chris Passarella, these amazing practitioners, and just got to learn from the best of the best. So you mentioned, hey, people are people. We all have emotions. We all have needs and desires and wants and all of that kind of stuff. So I guess what do you mean by that? We all have emotions, and then how do you – I guess, know that and then use that information to help people become their best, whether they're a baseball player or a executive or whatever. 
Well, I think I think it's more that recognizing that we're all going to have them. And when I think about emotions, you know, you think about fear, joy, uh, anger, frustration, happiness, all all those. Right, you're going to have those things. The big key is not whether or not you're going to have them. It's 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 how you process them and how you manage them moving forward. We talk a lot. I, I work. I'm the director of performance and coaching for an unbelievable company called Limitless Minds. We go into different organizations helping you know, up level their mental performance and thus up leveling their actual performance. So there's mental performance and there's actual performance. So one of the things we always talk about is recognizing that you're going to have emotions, honoring them, but not letting them direct you into your next action. Because there's never been an emotion that's hit a baseball, right? Your, your eyes, your hands, your body, your legs, your hips, that's what hits a baseball, the bat, right? But your joy and your emotions never actually hit a baseball. So that's kind of the big key about that too, is making sure that we recognize, oh, you can have these things. Are they serving you? Yes, no. If they're not serving you, see ya. If they are serving you, you can double down on them, but don't let them take you so far away from the execution of the action that's right in front of you that they're now the driver. You always have to be the driver. Got it. So... Let's jump into how you applied some of this stuff. You jumped in with the Cubs, director of mental skills in what, 2014? 2014. I don't think we were all that good in 2014. BFL, baby. We finished yeah. last. Yeah. And then 2015, I think we had a sniff of it and lost to the Mets. And, you know, and then it's like, okay, then 2016 is coming. Like, what happened 2014, 20? Because they literally, this organization, were called the lovable losers. And there was this mentality where there's a curse. Like, it's hard to break a curse. A curse is a curse. You're done. You're dead. Like, did you guys feel that? Did they feel that? Or is that outside noise? And then how did you go about like literally developing the mental skill set to turn these, turn this team into a world series champion? Yeah. So it always starts from water, the bamboo, right? You've heard this analogy uh, of the bamboo, right? Chinese bamboo or whatever it is, bamboo, you put it in the ground and you put the seeds in there and you don't see anything for like five years, but you got to water and, and, and till the soil and water and like just stay on it daily, daily, daily. And then after five years, the bamboo breaks through and grows 80 feet in six weeks, right? So that's an eight story building in six weeks. That's how fast it grows. Doesn't grow that fast. It takes five years to grow that fast, right? So it's five years and six weeks that it actually takes to get to 80, day, 80, 80 feet. Same kind of thing with the Cubs. It was a lot of stuff that happened way before I even showed up on the, on the, on the scene. It was a lot of stuff that was done in the player development group with Jason McLeod and Tim Cousins and, you know, the, the whole crew there and, you know, all their pitching, Anthony Iaposi, the hitting coordinator, and, and Derek Johnson, the, 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 the pitching coordinator. And there was all this foundation that was set in terms of mindset stuff, even though it wasn't, like, official. Um, and they were doing a great work even before I showed up in 2014. In addition, for in 2015, two things happened. Number one, we signed John Lester, right? So you have this champion in every way, shape, and form. Human being, player, preparation, how he regenerates, everything. The guy was an absolute champion. That's why he had 200 innings for 10 straight years or wherever he has ridiculous stats. If you look at Johnny, uh, spectacular guy, just really locked in. Awesome. Uh, so we signed him. That makes us relevant right then and right there. 
Number two is you have this unbelievable front office in, led by Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, Scott Harris, Jason McLeod, that was absolutely believing in themselves and believing in their process because they had just done it in Boston. They just broke that curse. So now you have a whole bunch of people believing in the front office. In addition, they were incredible communicators. And I cannot stress this enough for, for executives and leadership, the ability of them to articulate their ideas, to be transparent, to be honest with the players on the field, with the managers and the coaches in the clubhouse, with the, with the coordinators and the people in the minor league system was, I've never been around anything like it before or after. They How did they actually leaders. do that? Like, what does that actually look like? That actually looks like getting in your car and driving to Kane County to sit in the stands and talk to the manager afterwards as the president of the organization. It's, 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 it's calling people up and texting them when they're, you know, double A hitting coach. Hey, man, you know, I saw this with Kyle Schwarber the other day. What do you think about that? What, what are you seeing? You're, you got eyes on the ground, man. I need to hear your opinion. So being open and, and like being able to communicate downward and upward. So that's where, and then just being like really honest and open and just being a normal human being, a normal person, not being, not letting their title dictate what they did, but more letting the mission dictate what they did. So there was that buy-in, I guess, hey, we've already been there and done that. We did it at Boston. If we did it at Boston, all we got to do is follow a similar process here. And I guess, what did that look like bringing you in? I guess, why did they hire you? And then how did they... I still got them full, Kate. I still got them full. (laughs) they, They had wanted to, they, you know, they had a really robust system in Boston in terms of mental skills and mental performance. Uh, the way it was in Chicago prior to me getting there was a little bit more mental health oriented versus mental performance oriented. There's a difference, right? They can play into each other and they often have to work in concert and really good organizations get that. The ones that are struggling, that, that kind of a little bit, they're like, there's a division, right? And they have to work hand in hand. So touch, I, touch on that because I hear yeah, yeah. mental health, stigma. I, not stigma, but it's just like a buzzword. It's like mental health, okay? But then there's mental performance. I don't. I have no idea what each of them mean. I guess if you had to say, what do they mean? What do they mean? Yeah. So there are tools and things you can use for your mind that help you perform at an elite level, right? Oftentimes, the players that buy into mental skills training understand that it is a competitive advantage. If I'm more focused, if I'm more prepared, if I respond better to failure. If I respond better to success, if I, you know, have the right energy, all those things are in my control. But if I don't train how to control them, then I'm, you know, then it's probably not going to go as great as somebody who does train them. And so that's really what we did. It was a mental skills program. I think ultimately, I've heard this term recently. I was listening to a Simon Sinek podcast and he talked about mental fitness. And I like that term so much better than mental health or mental performance. Because if, think about it, if you go to a gym and you're fit, right? How did you get fit? You didn't just show up and you were fit. You worked at it. You worked at it and you worked at it. And so that's the kind of the same thing is the mental health side of things is typically associated with um, some sort of malady, right? There's something that's a little bit uh, that needs to, to, to be worked on because it's not performing at a high level. Mental skills is all about proaction. 
about, hey, we so mental health typically is reaction, mental skills is, is proaction of like, we're gonna do these things so we can perform better and we can have a better mindset, we can have better um, execution. We, you know, we're just gonna be better athletes because we've worked on our minds, better CEOs, better salespeople, all those types of things. You can practice that stuff, right? How to handle failure better. Like tactically, the people that are listening to this like their coaches, their leaders, their their husbands, right? They're like, what does that look like? How to handle success like tactically and how do you train for that? So all of a sudden, oh, now I'm successful. Now how do I handle it? I guess you're prepared ahead of time. What does that look like? Yeah, so the, the short answer is a disco ball and a smoke machine. Um, so a, after every game we would win, we would have a disco ball and a smoke machine and we would party and jump around and high five for about 15 minutes. At the end of the 15 minutes, we were done. We're on to the next page. Same thing if we lost. We didn't have the disco ball and the smoke machine. There was pretty silence. There was contemplation. There was thought process. But it was 15 minutes, turn the page, move on. So that was that's how we handled that kind of stuff was as a team, we did that. Now, when you're talking about an individual, it's the recognition of, hey, I was successful. What did I do to be successful? What are those actions and behaviors that I was responsible for that led to success and then understanding that in order to have more success i need to repeat those we talk a lot about it in limitless minds there's four levels of competency there's unconscious incompetent i have no clue what i'm doing except for the fact that i know that i'm really bad at what i'm doing right then there's in uh, sorry there's conscious incompetent i know that i'm bad and i know why i'm bad and i know what to do about it then there's competent unconscious. What is that? Hey, that's I'm good, but I have no clue or understanding why. So it's really tough to repeat if things change on me. And that's like a really dangerous place. We see a lot of salespeople and a lot of corporate folks get into that, that, that competent unconscious. And that's one that we really want to avoid. Say that one, not, one more time. I want to make yeah. sure I hit that one. So it's unconscious competent. Okay, which, if you were to simplify that, okay, I want to teach this to my 70-year-old aunt. Unconscious competent, what does that mean? That means that I'm good at what I do, but I have no clue why. So it's really tough to repeat. Oh, wow, okay. And then the last part is conscious competent. That's what we're shooting for, is that fourth level, conscious competency. I know why I'm good. I know what behaviors and habits I'm doing. I know what thoughts I'm having. I know what my preparation looks like. I know what my regeneration looks like. I know what all these habits look like. So I'm able to repeat, 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 thus giving myself a much better chance of success in the future. So if you're in a slump or things aren't working, you can go back to, hey, well, these are the things I know I have to do because this is what, but I'm not doing that. Is that how that works? Yeah, pretty much. There's, there's some of that, but there's also too like, hey, I'm going good right now. What am I doing to keep this going? Ah, yeah, really good. Right, so we're, I often try to take that other lens because ultimately, what do we want to repeat? We want to repeat success. Success leaves clues. So let me look at success over and over and over again. What do I want to avoid? Well, I want to avoid failing and messing up. So what I want to do there is I just want to, I want to look at it. Why did I fail? Why did I mess up? Let me learn from that. And now let me turn the page quick. While I'm successful, I want to investigate the crud out of that. I want to dive into success over and over and over again because that's where the clues are. That's where the clues to my success are gonna be. I wanna look at other people's success, see what they've done. I wanna see what behaviors and habits they're doing that I'm not doing, right? And then apply those as, as is the case. 
what do you see as those typical patterns? Is there patterns where, hey, do these three things or these five things, if you just can master these things, is there a kind of a thing or a common principle? The, uh, the, the, the internet marketer in me really wants there to just be like five things and then I could post a blog on it and hopefully yeah. get thousands of followers and never have any real good information. But the reality is, the reality is everybody's different, right? So what I'm going through is way different from what you're going through, Case. And what you're trying to accomplish might be really different from what I'm trying to accomplish. So the fact of the matter is, while there are probably certain things that are similar to our successes, there's a lot of things that aren't. So when you ask that question, are there like three or five things that are like, yes, definitely print them, put them down? No, there's not. What I do know, though, is humble, hungry, and smart matter. Am I humble enough to not have an ego about what's going on and to, and to admit when I'm wrong? And I'm not trying to be right. I'm just trying to get it right. Right. That's that's certainly humble. Hungry is you know, I really want it. and I'm going to do whatever it takes, including look at myself in the mirror. And then smart is I'm aware of my surroundings and I'm understanding. This is straight out of the book. Um, the Ideal Teammate by, by Patrick Lensicone. Unbelievable. Lensicone, I believe his name is. Yeah. But yeah. like he I read that like recently and I was like, that's it. Right. Hungry, hungry, humble and smart. Everybody that I've met that has been hyper successful absolutely has those three qualities. Humble, hungry, smart, absolutely. And that I was running a bunch of baseball academies, owned five baseball academies in Atlanta in awesome. what, 2016, I guess, when you guys won it all. And I bought into the do simple better motto that Madden had. Yeah. And I don't know if he came up with that, you came up with that, but like, that's simple. Do simple better, humble, humble, hungry, smart. Like, let's just nail that. And I think your explanation was really good. So how do you tell if you are humble, hungry, and smart? And then how do you, what do you do with that? Yeah, so the humble part is really just checking your ego at the door, right? And so uh, I was just in a bunch of meetings this week with our own Limitless Minds team, and I caught my ego driving the conversation several times, being a little bit defensive, being a little bit like pushback, right? And that's not humble because I'm, I'm trying to be right versus get it right. So I think when you can step back from that and just kind of – take a look at that and, and recognize, hey, it, it, there's a lot of self-awareness that goes involved with this, right? There's a lot of noticing your own behaviors, which, are, which is a trainable attribute, by the way. We'll talk about that in a second. But so that power of noticing is so massive. And to be able to kind of step back sometimes outside of yourself and just notice what you're doing or why you're saying things, it's really, really crucial to humility, okay? Hungry is like, you know, what's your why type stuff, right? What's your why? Right. And so those types of things are, are really, really important. Like, why do why do I want to accomplish what I want to accomplish? Why do I why does Limitless Minds? Why do I resonate so much with the mission of impacting a billion people? Why does that matter to me? Why did the Cubs matter to me? Because it wasn't about winning a World Series. It's about changing the world. We knew that if we were going to win the World Series, we'd have an opportunity to change five million people's mindsets about what was truly possible, let alone all the other Cubs fans out there in the world. The five million were just the people that showed up at the parade, right? So it was like, right, that we knew we were we weren't just trying to win a World Series. We were doing something bigger than ourselves. Was that was that true? Like, is that the players thought they were playing for yeah, the five million? That like, we were absolutely playing to change the world. No offense about about it. My goodness, that's a lot of pressure. Like, holy smokes! Like, how, how did you? Opportunity. Pressure's a privilege. 
right? Pressure is a privilege. It was an opportunity. And that's the way we saw it. You asked about the curse. We never thought about the curse. We thought about the opportunity to be to do something absolutely earth shattering. Which how many people get that opportunity? Not many. So yeah. we recognize that that joy of, of possibility versus the fear of consequence. Does that creep in? Like that fear creep in? You got to get rid of it, or is hey, I'm brainwashed. I don't know. If brainwashed is the right word, but it's like I've trained my mind enough to I don't even think about fear. Or you know when you know the guy hit that home run off of Chapman and it went off the foul pole. Like I was a fan. I was in the stands. I was like, oh my god. You know, like I felt it. Like did the players feel that? Did they reframe their mindset? Yeah, but I mean, you know the story, right? You read the books. We had a meeting, and yeah. they got it all out, right? We walk in there, Jason Hayward, hey, everybody in the, in, the, in the clubhouse, let's go to the weight room, and they have a great meeting, and they let it all out. Chapman's, Raldis Chapman's crying his eyes out. And they, hey, man, we got you. Don't worry about it. Next play, right? So that's, that's the mindset, right? That's it, the mindset the, of the it's opportunity, again, versus, versus like fear of consequence. It's this is what we can do. This is what we've done all season. We've been the best team all year long. Hey, we got each other. We love each other. Let's just go get this thing. Tenth inning. Let's go. Schwartz. Bang. Right? Off we go. I I mean, I think the rain delay was a little bit longer than 15 minutes, but you almost had that 15-minute rain delay to like, you know what? We're not we're gonna sit here and we're gonna think about it, but we're gonna get it. And thank goodness for whatever Hayward said, because that that did it, right? <laughs> well, the whole team did it. That was the that was the thing. I mean, it's just like it was just one voice, but there was twenty voices in that room. Yeah. Right. And it was and it was you know the whole thing about it is like that rain delay. We always joke. We joked internally that, that was Ernie Banks, right? Mr. Cub just came over and said, "Hey guys, just take a breath. Just take a breath." And that's sometimes all you need, right? Sometimes all you need is to just step out of the situation, take that deep breath, get yourself be grounded, and remember what's truly important. Yeah. So is that something that like? Are you up in the press box during this, or have you trained the players where they can handle it themselves in the game? Are you in there in the locker? Like, how does that all work? Yeah, so, again, my role with the Cubs was the front office. I was working in the front office. Did I work with some of the players? Absolutely. I worked mostly in the minor league system, though, developing that, so we had, you know, players that were prepared for those moments. Again, the Cubs won. They were the youngest team in the history of the World Series to ever win the World Series. So what we also had, though, was – we had a Hall of Fame mental skills guy named Ken Revisa who was in the locker room that day. And that's what we did. We said, hey, Josh, you're front office. You oversee everything. You hire the right people, put them in the right places. Great. We did that. And Kenny was one of the people that we had together with Joe who requested Kenny. I'm not going to take total credit for that. But Joe was like, hey, can we get Ken Revisa? We're really good friends. Talked to Kenny one time. Kenny was like, yeah, man, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, yeah, Kenny, go. Do it. Do your thing, man. Let me get out of the way. Yeah, chance to change the world. Who's up for that, right? right I think exactly. I think a lot of people. Right. That's so now transition to the Limitless Minds team and what you're doing over there. Like, who are you helping? What are you helping them do? Yeah, so we mostly were we're totally in corporate America. There's there's no um, sports involved other than the athletes that work with us, right? Yeah. Former athletes, um, Olympic gold medalists, world champions, things like that that come in and help train. But ultimately, what we do is we are working with the performance that you have on your daily daily plate. Our niche right now is pharmaceutical sales. We work with nine out of the top 12 pharmaceuticals in the world. Um, and so that, that group, like, it makes sense. Sales totally makes sense for mental performance, right? Because there is a scoreboard. And so you can look at that and you can see 
how much this method performance stuff is actually impacting their performance. And we've seen really nice gains of the people that buy in, show up, do all the work, the work works on them and they end up performing a lot better. So that's, that's kind of who we're working with now. And we have some financial companies that we work with. We've got a couple other, um, a couple other groups that are not in either of those niches, but yeah, that, that's mostly some tech companies, things of that nature. So we got a bunch of people that we're, we're impacting, but again, our goal is, is big um, to, to impact billions of lives. So, yeah. So, so give us some high heat. Uh, let's see, John Lester, high heat, uh, right up and in, you know, everybody listen to this, Joshua, they're a leader at some level. They're leading themselves first, which it feels like, got to lead yourself to lead others. It's like, what's one big takeaway or one thing that you believe that might be contrarian to most to, uh, to our listeners that you want to share? Huh. That would be contrarian. So that's interesting. Cause I, I don't know. I, I, I oftentimes don't listen to a lot of other stuff. I'm just kind of like in, in the trenches with what we're doing. That's a, that's a good question. What's contrarian. Uh, okay. I'll give you something contrarian. Um, don't be positive. Okay, so a lot of people are like, hey, positive thinking, positive thinking, positive thinking, right? All you got to do is think it and good things will happen to you. I uh, completely disagree with that. Um, what we've recognized and what we've seen from everything that we've done is it's, it's fine to be optimistic if optimism doesn't pull you away from doing what it takes in order to be successful. Yeah. So one of the things we always talk about at, 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 at Limitless Minds, and this was a term coined by the late great Trevor Moad, who I had the opportunity to work with for eight years at, at IMG Academy um, before he went off and did his own thing and started this incredible company, Limitless Minds, was is neutral thinking. And what neutral thinking is, there's three types of thinking, right? There's your positive, there's your negative, and then there's your neutral. We know that negative thinking works. Unfortunately, it works for the negative. If I think bad things are going to happen, typically they arise and they do. If I'm downgrading myself or downgrading others around me, they're going to underperform. We know that from research. There isn't really any research that shows that positive thinking will work, right? You can think positive, but if you just think positive and you don't do anything about it, nothing's going to help you, right? So that middle ground is neutral. And what neutral is, is really just taking the facts as they are, right? It's a mindset grounded in concrete facts without judgment or grading. And that last piece is really cool really, really, really crucial. If I start judging things, then it's bad or good, it's hard, it's easy, et cetera, et cetera. And that's going to kind of dictate my behavior. But if I just take something for what it is, hey, this guy throws 95 miles an hour. His fastball has a little bit of tail and run that cuts across the plate. So I need to adjust when I start my swing. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not easy. It's not hard, right? It's just what it is. This is how I accomplish that task. That's going to get me way more results than, hey, I'm great today. Things are going to be awesome. So that's my contrarian take. I mean, it's good. Like, I think it is contrarian in some ways, but it's like, yeah, hope without a plan, right? It's not really hope at all. And I think you're right. Like positivity without a plan, I, I think that's that's really good. Well, what are you looking forward to now? I, I, I know who you're working with. Uh, how would somebody get a hold of you and all that kind of stuff? So yeah, I'm what I'm looking forward to really is is I'm just looking up on my board over here with all the, my dates of travel coming up. So month of September and the month of October, we're gonna get out on the road and we're gonna, you know, if I my count is right, I think we're gonna 
be live in front of about 25,000 people over the next two and a half months, which is awesome. Um, so that's great. A live event is really, you know, can be really impactful and, and really powerful and, and can hit people. But then what I'm really excited about is after that, after you have those live events, you get 12 months of interaction with, with those companies. So I'm really excited about starting up with these new companies and really getting after it with them and, and helping them up level themselves and then understand how their mindset can be an absolute game changer and absolute performance enhancer. So this that's what great. I'm talking about. Um, how, how you can get with, in touch with us, limitlessminds.com. Just that simple, limitlessminds.com. Uh, that's probably the best way. If you can follow me on Instagram, at Joshua Liprack. Uh, at Limitless Minds has also got a great Instagram account. Too. So great. Those are good. Well, Twitter, I, I, same, not Twitter, I'm um, sorry, LinkedIn as well. There you go. Perfect. We'll put all of that in the show notes. And I think there was like a movie called Limitless back in the day. I never watched it, but I yeah, think all they did was... Me neither. Yeah, like, what was it? Take a pill and you're good. I don't know how it all worked, but it sounds like... Limitless Minds is not just about taking a pill. It's about training and all of these kind of things. So I'm going to make sure we put all of this in the show notes. And this was awesome. And thank you again from 7-year-old Casey and 31-year-old Casey for what you did to make all those people believe. And it wasn't about baseball. It was about so much more. So uh, yeah. super cool. So well, let me ask you a question. Now I get to turn the tables. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, not, it's fun being a guest, but hey, I like being sure. a host too. Do it. Um, what are you taking out of this conversation? What is the thing that you're going to apply to yourself? And you know, you run these all these academies and you have all these kids. What do you want them to take away? Yeah, I think the Y and K, you never know, I think is really good. Um, the whole thing about responding and how you respond to success and failure. I think it's more, I don't necessarily have a takeaway yet. I probably need to re-listen to this and be like, all right, what am I going to do with this information? But I think it is the patterns and trying to figure out, all right, Casey, on a good day, why was it a good day? All right, on a bad day, why was it a bad day? and almost focus on the good days. And for me, it's, did I wake up early? Did I get my reading done, right? Did I take care of my body before my kids wake up? Because if I can't do those things and I just run into chaos, because we got two little kids and two more on the way. Oh, like, look at you, got twins coming, Casey? Yeah, I, my aunt got me a shirt that said, real men make twins. So I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> and then I, I send that. it That's to awesome. a buddy of mine and and he goes, well, are you ever going to be able to fill out that shirt? Because I think it's like a large and I'm more of a medium. So he got me back pretty good. Nice. But, um, yeah, I think it's training your mind. I mean, i got to figure out when I have a great day, why, and then repeat that over and over again. So Jason Hayward used to work out at our baseball academy back when he was oh, nice. with the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta guy. And, Perfect. Yeah, yeah and nice. he would sit in the tunnel with his hitting coach, and they'd be in there for two hours, but they'd only hit for 20 or 30 minutes. And they were just talking. And I remember when Jason came in and he, uh, he took that ball off the face with the, this was when he was with the Braves and he broke his jaw. And I just remember talking to him and uh, like, how are you doing? Because that was a mental thing of how am I going to get back into the box again? And I was not his mental coach, but somebody helped him get through it and over it because um, obviously he had to think about things differently um, after that injury. But he got through it and became even a better player after that. So what am I thinking? I'm thinking, all right, how do I create routine patterns of success and do what I do best over and over again? And uh, that's where I'm at. Beautiful. And, and I'll, I'll throw this little caveat to you, too. Um, by doing that, you're giving yourself a better chance for success. You are not guaranteeing success. So that's <laughs> the whole key is that all we're doing is buying lottery tickets, right? If I work out great, if I eat great, if I have the right mindset, if I stretch, if I do all that stuff, it just gives me a better chance for success. It does not guarantee it. The enemy still has a say. 
Yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you so much. We're going to put all of this in the show notes, and uh, I appreciate you asking how I'm going to apply this, and I would ask all of our listeners the same. Take some notes. Uh, listen to it again because I think you're going to need to do that, and uh, this has been really good. So thanks so much for being a guest and the Dugout CEO. Appreciate Casey. Thank you so much for, for seeking me out and having me on. It's, it's always an, an honor to jump on podcasts, especially with somebody who's as awesome as you and asks some, such great questions. So keep up the great work, man. Really appreciate you. You bet. Thank you. Dugout Nation, wow, blown away with our time today with Joshua LaFrac, a World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs. Now, here are three big takeaways that I got from our time. Number one, what's your process to handle both success and failure? Not many have one. Not many are prepared to handle both, but it's going to happen. But if you haven't trained your mind on how to handle the highs of success and the lows of failure, it will limit your potential. Number two, are you mentally fit? What does it even look like? What does it mean? We all know what it means to be physically fit, but what about mentally? Best defined is having and maintaining a state of well-being and cultivating awareness of how we think, behave, and feel. Are you mentally fit? And number three, hungry, humble, and smart. Taken from the ideal team player by Patrick Lencioni. Humble. This is by far the most obvious and easiest to understand. Humility in a team member shows up as a lack of excessive ego, concerns, or status. They're quick to share credit and praise others freely. Are you humble? Hungry? Do you want it? How bad do you want it? Are you growth-minded? Are you open-minded? Are you wanting to do big things? And smart. By being smart, he talks about and refers to emotional intelligence and interpersonal awareness. The capability to conduct oneself in a group setting and deal with others in the most effective way. You have to know yourself to lead yourself. Be emotionally intelligent. Smart people exercise great judgment and intuition around other people, and they're fully aware of their effect of their words and the impact that it's going to have on their team. Be humble, be hungry, and be smart. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.